Dr. Balaga here. This podcast is on radiation-associated cardiac disease. In an earlier podcast, I discussed radiation-associated coronary artery disease. There are a variety of other cardiovascular complications associated with radiotherapy, including myocardial fibrosis, valvular heart disease, pericardial disease, and cardiac conduction system dysfunction. Clearly, there is often an overlap of all these pathologies manifesting within individuals, making management quite challenging. Radiation-associated cardiac disease develops sometimes decades following high-dose uh, radiation therapy, and often clinicians do not associate the radiotherapy exposure in the distant past with the current cardiac manifestations. And the picture may be further muddied by presence of common risk factors for cardiovascular disease, making a, a precise diagnosis challenging. The precise burden of radiation-associated cardiac disease is difficult to determine because of under-recognition of the manifested disease, the heterogeneity of presentation, and improvement in radiotherapy delivery techniques year after year. In addition, patients may have shortness of breath, which could be due to associated radiation-associated pulmonary disease, and often radiation-associated cardiac disease may coexist with radiation-associated pulmonary disease. Cardiac disease is due to collateral damage occurring during radiotherapy, which is given as a therapeutic dose to the tumor. However, stray radiation to the heart occurs since the heart is almost never the actual target, except in rare instances such as cardiac sarcomas or cardiac metastasis. The primary ways in which cardiac exposure has been reduced over the years have been A, better patient selection, B, newer radiotherapy technology, C, reducing field size, and D, lowering the target dose when possible. Risk factors for developing radiation-associated cardiac disease include 1. Younger age at the time of radiotherapy, that is age less than 50 years. 2. Presence of cardiovascular risk factors or established cardiopulmonary disease. 3. Lack of shielding or cobalt as a, as a source of radiation. 4. High cumulative dose, that is greater than 30 gray, or high dose of radiation fractions, that is greater than 2 gray per day. 5. Tumor in or next to the heart. 6. Anterior or left chest radiation. And 7. Concomitant chemotherapy, example, anthracyclines and trastuzumab. Myocardial disease and heart failure. Potential manifestations of chest and mediastinal radiotherapy involving the cardiac muscle include 1. Diffuse subclinical myocardial fibrosis with associated progressive systolic and diastolic dysfunction. 2. Non-ischemic cardiomyopathy can occur as an advanced stage of the disease due to extensive fibrosis with severe diastolic dysfunction and signs and symptoms of heart failure 
heart failure with preserved ejection fraction more common than redu reduced ejection fraction and three ischemic cardiomyopathy can occur due to advanced coronary artery disease the anterior position of the right ventricle makes it susceptible to damage although this is often under recognized due to suboptimal visualization biventricular radiation associated fibrosis is diffuse and typically follows a non ischemic pattern however concurrent radiation induced coronary artery disease can result in ischemia infarction and coexistent regional fibrosis the detrimental effects of radiation to myocardial function can be compounded by chemotherapeutic agents particularly anthracyclines and trastuzumab which are frequently used before or after radiation therapy recent data suggests that her two new receptor antagonist trastuzumab may have a radio sensitizing effect on breast cancer cells although it remains unclear whether similar effects occur on normal healthy cells potential heart valve manifestations of chest and mediastinal radiotherapy include one valve apparatus and leaflet thickening fibrosis shortening and calcification predominant on left sided valves two thickening and calcification of the aortomitral curtain very commonly seen three valve regurgitation more common than stenosis and d aortic valve stenosis most common stenotic lesion patients usually become symptomatic much later than coronary disease an awareness of this latency is important given that asymptomatic survivors treated over 20 years of age have increased risk of aortic regurgitation 60% versus 4% tricuspid regurgitation 4% versus 0% aortic stenosis 16% versus 0% compared with tra- patients treated within 10 years the valvular thickening and calcification associated with radiation is more extensive often involving surrounding structures such as the annulus subvalvular apparatus and the aortomitral curtain The aortomitral curtain extends from the base of the anterior mitral leaflet to the commissure between the non and left coronary aortic valve cusps. In one study, the aortomitral curtain thickening and calcification was recognized as a hallmark of previous heart irradiation and was independently associated with mortality in subjects undergoing cardiac surgery. This is from an article by Milan Desai et al. in Annals of Thoracic Surgery, 2014, Volume 97, pages 1348 to 55. The article was titled "Increased Aortomitral Curtain Thickness Independently Predicts Mortality in Patients with Radiation-Associated Cardiac Disease Undergoing Surgery." Pericardial disease, potential pericardial manifestations of chest and mediastinal radiotherapy include. constrictive pericarditis due to extensive fibrous thickening adhesions chronic constriction and can be associated with chronic pericardial effusion 
this is associated with a significantly higher surgical mortality. While acute pericarditis is now less common with more modern radiation protocols, chronic pericarditis may manifest many years after treatment completion. Chronic pericardial inflammation can result in both parietal and visceral fibrosis and a thickened, rigid and often calcified pericardial sac with resultant constrictive pericarditis. In Hodgkin's patients, 20% had pericarditis observed with irradiation of the entire pericardium. Loss of distensibility can result in ventricular interdependence and constrictive physiology. Given that most patients with uh, radiation-associated heart disease also have some restrictive physiology, it can be difficult to distinguish between restriction due to underlying myocardial fibrosis and pericardial constriction. Conduction system disturbances. Potential conduction system disturbances with chest and mediastinal radiotherapy include 1. Ectopy, tachyarrhythmias, baseline sinus tachycardia, and autonomic dysfunction are commonly seen. 2. Increased risk of pacemaker implantation due to conduction system disease. Up to 75% of long-term survivors who have received mediastinal radiation therapy may have conduction defects on routine EKG. These significant disturbances include all levels of heart block and sick sinus syndrome. Infranodal and right bundle branch block are most common with the anteriorly located right bundle being particularly susceptible. Autonomic dysfunction has been poorly studied, although inappropriate sinus tachycardia has been recognized as a sign of extensive radiation-associated cardiac disease. It has been argued, potentially, this inappropriate sinus tachycardia can increase the risk of tachycardia-mediated cardiomyopathy. Years later, patients can have atrial fibrillation and ventricular tachyarrhythmias. However, in a recent study of breast cancer survivors, there was no increased risk of ventricular tachyarrhythmias or conduction abnormalities due to radiotherapy. Coronary artery disease was discussed in an earlier podcast. Carotid artery disease, radiotherapy-induced lesions are more extensive, involving longer segments and atypical areas of carotid segments. Other vascular disease, calcification of the ascending aorta and aortic arch or porcelain aorta is well recognized. Lesions of any other vascular segments present within the radiation field can occur. Lungs, potential pulmonary manifestations of chest and mediastinal radiotherapy include 1. Progressive pulmonary fibrosis and two, recurrent pleural effusions. Radiation-associated pulmonary disease, which results in pulmonary fibrosis, can lead to symptoms due to reduction in force vital and diffusing capacity. Radiation-associated pulmonary disease should particularly be considered when determining suitability for cardiac surgery because pulmonary complications are a major source of perioperative morbidity and mortality. This is particularly true in redo cardiac surgery where recurrent pleural effusions 
severely reduced lung volumes and ventilation impairment are commonly observed. This podcast is derived from an outstanding JAK scientific expert panel publication titled Prevention, Diagnosis and Management of Radiation-Associated Cardiac Disease published in August, August 20, 2019 issue of the Journal of the American College of Cardiology. In the next podcast, we will discuss diagnosis, screening and risk stratification of radiation-associated cardiac disease.